the world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layered timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve is available from $995. Current users can download the updates for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagicdesign.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and this week we're wrapping up my interview with Dan Dome. One thing before we get into the interview, if you haven't had a chance, you've got to check out AOTG.com because we've done a massive overhaul. We've reorganized the entire interface, we've made things more accessible, easier to use, and easier to share your content. So if you find anything editing-wise... You can share it. But here's the thing. We've also expanded into visual effects as well as into animation, sound, color. We've basically decided to expand to all of post-production. So if you know of anyone in post that doesn't know about AOTG.com who isn't an editor, make sure to let them know because we need to start getting that information into our system. So you need to let your friends know to start sharing their content, whether it's sound, whether it's VFX, animation get it into our system so that the world can see it all right so tell your friends to go to aotg.com and check out the new design with that said this week we're wrapping up my interview with dan dome now if you haven't heard of the stuff that dan's worked on i don't know how you survive this long without hearing about it of course last time we talked about saturday night live and this time we're going to be talking about conan so he's been with conan for quite a while and he even moved out to LA with Conan and is now the lead editor on The Conan Show. And he was recently nominated for an Emmy with his editing team for the show Occupy Conan, which if you haven't seen it, go online, go to the Conan YouTube channel and look for Occupy Conan. So it's a user-generated show that he had to end up with his team, of course. He had to put everything together. So we're going to go into that today with Dan. Before we get into that though, I just want to let you know that on November 18th, we're going to be talking with the editors of Arrested Development live on the internet. That's right. If you are a fan of Arrested Development and you want to ask them a question, you can. All you have to do is go to AOTG.com, sign up for an account, and inside choose the live post chat option, and then just check off the email reminder. Then we'll remind you a couple days before, and that's it. And you can end up asking questions, there's a little chat box, and uh, it'll be all be live. More on that in the coming weeks. In the meantime, here's my interview with Dan Dome. Now, uh, to, to jump to the Conan O'Brien show, how did you get involved in this, or how did you transition from uh, SNL to Conan O'Brien? Basically... While I was working at NBC, having, like I said, been trained on the Avid DS, that was, that was the primary uh, NLE that was used for that show. There were two of my coworkers there had retired, basically. So the last three months of the show, a coworker and I basically saw, that, saw the show off the air for those last few months. 
And during that time, you know, I had, I had approached, I had approached the show and said, Hey, do you, you know, I'd, I'd totally be interested in, you know, working with you guys out in California. If, if that's something that interests you, I know, you, I know the workflow that you guys have. I know the systems that you guys are going to have in place to do the show out in California. What do you think? So it was some back and forth and, you know, talking to my bosses in post-production because they had booked me to work, to work with those guys and they were fully supportive and we sorted things out. I basically ended up moving out to California and, and working for the tonight show. So it was, I think it was by virtue of making a good impression with them for the, for the few years that I had been working with them more as a freelancer and then more as a regular editor for them that we, I, I got along great with everybody everybody was really fun and creative and, but we all knew we had to get, get the show done and get it on the air. I think they saw all those qualities and we're like, okay, this is, this, this will be a great situation for us to be in somebody who knows us, knows our workflow and still has the understanding that, you know, it could be the greatest piece in the world, but if it doesn't make it to air, <laughs> what, what, what good is it? I was wondering if you could give us a sense because I, I personally have never done a late night show like that or a live to tape or anything like that. So I was wondering if you can mm -hmm. sort of give me an overview of your day-to-day -day work at the Conan O'Brien show or the Conan show. Sure. Basically, let's say on a Monday morning, I get in anywhere between 8.30 and 9 o'clock. If, if let's, let's say we just came back from a hiatus or actually any, any, any Monday, to be honest with you, I basically look at, okay, here are the shows that we're doing for the week. They have show numbers attached to them. I'll build the projects for the, for the show composite that'll, that'll take us through the entire week. So for the four shows, each show will have its own project, which is built off of a template that has bins in it for each of the apps that we're going to do. It's got a sequence template that we work in DVC Pro HD. And, you know, I make sure those projects are good to go. Then, Probably the next thing that I do is take a look at the rundown if that's out at that point and, and get a sense of, okay, this is a, v, a very heavy uh, VT day, which we, we keep from the old school as a videotape day, you know, a lot of tape roll-ins, or there's a lot of live stuff. But basically any of that stuff could change at any moment. Sometimes we'll, do, we'll have the luxury of, of being able to work on a project for a few days that let's say it's a, a longer remote. So if I have one of those that I've been working on, I'll go through that, keep doing my mixes, keep doing the color correction, add graphics if that stuff needs to be be done. I also keep track of the media that's on our SAN with our assistant editor and our ingest operator. Um, so usually Mondays is a, are, are days that we do like our uh, deletions of old rehearsal footage. I'll go back to old projects that I worked on if they're a week or so old and make sure I have a self-contained QuickTime movie of the last version of the, of the bit that we did. I'll go through and delete the render files for the audio and video and basically just, you know, kind of wait and see what happens around one o'clock is when we rehearse. So that's when we find out, okay, the stuff that we worked on is good to go, or we have some changes to make before we start taping at 4.30. So 
like I said, some of the some of the days can be really hectic, and there could be a lot of VT pieces. Some days are a little lighter, but there's there's always something to do. Whether it's getting ahead uh, on a on a remote piece, like I said, or keeping track of stuff that's on the sand, thinking forward to other projects that could be coming up, doing research about plugins and and workflow, and seeing how to streamline things. It's always it goes back to what I said about always being thirsty for knowledge. Early on in the, in my career, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to still have that, that, you know, okay, we, we do a great job of getting the show out as quick as we can and as accurate as we can, but can we do it faster? Can we do it better? Can we make it look cooler? Can we make it whatever? Mm-hmm. Now, because as you guys start shooting or as the, the live stuff gets recorded, you take, I think it was called a, a one or a one line cut or something along that lines and start cutting after the monologue. Is that correct? That is correct. When the the first act is finished, we have a line cut of what the director and the TD put together and we, and we shoot the show as if it was going on air. If there's anything to be addressed within the first act, as soon as that act is over, I can collect all those clips and lay out the uh, program line cut just as one clip, you know, one track of video, two tracks of audio, and start making any changes that are needed to be made as soon as that act is done. I can actually work with the files as they're being ingested, but we are under the gun, but we're not that under the gun. But there will be a random opportunity where our associate director may call and be like, hey, can you check the pronunciation of this? Or can you see if there was something in the frame at this time code so I can actually look at those clips as they're being ingested and give him a heads up of hey yes that was pronounced incorrectly or nope it was pronounced great and no there was something in the shot or yes there was something in the shot and we'll know how to address shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Now with all that because I think you have to have it ready for eight o'clock uh, Pacific time for the Eastern broadcast is so with with that sort of pressure to get it done because if if i remember correct do you shoot at four o'clock four to uh we shoot four four thirty to five thirty yeah and so and... from five thirty to eight you have to get it packaged and ready um yes so with all that pressure how do you i guess stay calm or how do you approach the edit without allowing the pressure to get to you I think it's just, it's one of those things where our, our team is so dialed in at this point and even prior to this, being able to work with, with all the people that I work with and everybody knowing and being aware of that same pressure, we just kind of just go with it and, and figure it out as we have to. We're, luckily, you know, I build the whole entire show, uh, acts one through six, put it in a timeline at the uh, time code numbers that our associate director provides us with and then as soon as the show's over if there were any camera fixes to be addressed i try and get all those done so by the time we're done taping at 5 30 i usually have the whole show laid out with as many camera fixes or things pulled out if if necessary and i'm able to hand off projects to two of the two of the other editors and to our assistant editor who's then feeding the show to our international clients and ask with regards to your to the sketches like you might have a specific sketch or you might have something lined up how 
early are you brought in in that process? Because Conan's team seems like um, a very collaborative team where everyone's sort of working together. So I was wondering how early are you brought in when they're planning sketches out? I think it, it depends on the on the sketch itself. If it's, if it's something that we do, that we're going to do DSLR style, I'll usually have a conversation with the writer prior to and just just to make sure some some things are straightened out like if they're gonna if they're gonna need to do you know any type of green screen out in the field or if they're gonna need to do anything that needs to be tracked and green screen myself and our lead graphics designer motion graphics designer will also both talk with the writer so you know some some of the sketches were were included in right out of the gate or as the ideas being whipped together if you will and then the other stuff, it's everybody. Everybody's got a pretty good level of ex, of experience and knows what they need to do. So if it's a straight ahead thing, there's not really that much to talk about except okay, just let us know when it's done and you know which takes you like, and we can start chopping it together. But like I said, for for things that are a little bit more uh, involved whether it be with special effects or a different camera or something like that, then, then, you know, everybody's pretty good about, you know, Hey, we've got a couple questions. Let's, let's powwow and, and sort this out. So nobody gets bit now, in was, the, in the, in the process. I was going to ask you about the final cut pro X, uh, skit that you guys did. And mm-hmm. I was wondering how that came about or how you guys sort of, came about was it from the post end that it was sort of pushed uh, or put forward or was it from from the producer side or the creative side like the writers that, that one of uh one of our writers uh came up with that bit and it was funny because you know we were all you know we saw it on the rundown and we're like oh they're gonna do something about final cup pro that's that's kind of cool and then sure enough it was with us and it was just it was just pretty funny to do it just yeah it was it was one of those things where it was a sketch that they shot us we you know we were throwing ideas out to the writer you know he had a he had a really great you know structure and then we threw in a couple things to you know hey it would be great if we talked about this or talked about that and you know yeah it was it's that that was probably the thing that we'll be most known for (laughs) you know for the rest of our careers see in 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 this world, for sure, for sure. Now, uh, you you just recently got nominated for an Emmy, so uh, congratulations! Thank you. And it's if I'm not mistaken, it's for Occupy Conan. Is that correct? That is correct. So I was wondering if you could give us some background into this pr- project because it's actually very uh, unique for from an editing standpoint. Yeah, that was an idea that had come up to do a fan sourced show. And basically what we ended up doing is taking, we, we had to, we built the show that that was going to be based off of, right? So we took bits from, from a few different shows, kind of like a highlight show and basically assembled that show with what it was from what we had recorded in our live audience, right? So we had built that show and then that show was then put up online by our web team and fans could decide to recreate bits and pieces of that and submit those 
and then they were screened and, and the best clips were picked for each of the sections. And it started, it started to be put together by uh, our editor, uh, Chris Heller. And we would, we, I, I think I, I ended up building most of the skeleton and I'm sure Robin, Robin, Dave uh, did parts of the, of the original show that was put up online. The web team kind of dealt with the submissions of the clips and would, would give us the, the top selects. And then Chris would be putting that together at night and I would check in with him to see how stuff was going. And um, we all, we all ended up having a good, our hands in the cookie jar on that show to, to put it together and get it out on the air. Well, the, the web team for Conan's show is phenomenal. Like the, yes. the the presence that they've built online is like everyone else should be mimicking that. Um, and so how I noticed that like when I watch clips online that after it's shown on TV, they might be trimmed down a bit. So are you involved in that sort of cut or is that something that the web team has to do? Yeah, that basically we once we're done with the acts, we delivered we deliver those uh final acts to the web team and then they pick the bits and pieces that they're going to use and they put those up online. So no, that that's, it's, we're involved in it as far as making sure that they're given the correct final act and then they do, uh, do their thing with it. And, and yes, I couldn't agree more that we have a phenomenal web team and they, yeah, they kick ass. <laughs> Now, for for going back to Occupy Conan, how much footage ended up coming in? That is a good. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it was it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. So, I know. I, I'm sure the the web team has has the stats, but yeah, yeah. But even the, even the timeline. I was going to say even the stuff that like because they're doing selects for you, but even that stuff's probably enormous compared to what what a normal show would have for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, because a lot of people would do some of the same. Obviously, there was overlap in submissions. So, let's say ten people did, you know, a recreation of the Will Ferrell bit where he announced uh, Anchorman Two on our show. But let's say there were ten of those clips were were if they were solid gold, it was like okay, let's figure out a, a way to use all these because it's so great and intercut them to still tell the story of what the original show that was posted online was, was telling. So yeah, each, each section definitely had a lot of options for, uh, from the submissions that, that came in from the fans and God bless the creativity of all the fans because for that, for everybody to, to put so much great stuff together and submit it and give us great stuff to work with, it just, it makes the process that much easier and, and keeps it really fun and exciting. And, you know, from the top to the bottom, everybody just did a really great job with, with all the submissions, the, the idea of actually doing that type of show, the workflow that we put in place to make sure that we could get it done in its most streamlined and efficient way. And then just delivering it to air the, the way that we did it. We we're all kicking ass and, and getting it together. Now, how did you go about? Because, because essentially, the the 
each clip was drastically different. So, there, you know, someone might do claymation, someone might do live action, some might, might animate it. How do you even get them to sort of flow together nicely? Because the, at least the cut down that I saw um, sort of cut between them in some cases. Yeah, I mean that that was just between sitting with the with the with the writers and kind of putting it together and and just trying different things out. You know, it was it was a really organic process because you kind of had to see how okay, let's put it let's do this scene with one clip. Okay, now let's start adding a little bit more and it just it was just kind of it just kind of blossomed out of out of that type of workflow is just kind of just trying and testing and, and feeling it out. It was, it was kind of like, all right, this, this feels right. It feels like it's working well. And, you know, then trying to get all the audio and stuff like that to match is a whole other story, but. Okay. Now I have uh, two more questions for you. Uh, sure. The first one is, have you, have you written out your thank you speech for the Emmys yet? I have an idea of what it, would be and hopefully nerves <laughs> won't take over and I won't be a bubbling idiot. But I've heard the that countdown is, clock that is, is, is intense. That is, that is to say that like, yeah, of course I hope we win. You know, are we, are we up against some other great people? Absolutely. But I, th I think my thought on this is that this show truly is an edited show and without the editing, you know, to, to bring everything together, not to take anything away from the original show that was created to, to make uh, the show template for the fans to throw their stuff into. Like you can get a lot of different, a lot of different uh, clips and source material from a lot of different places. But if, if it's not put together well, which I think this, this show truly, truly was, then, you know, it's it's not going to be good. So I, I I really feel like at at the heart of at the heart of this nomination is is it really is recognized for the tremendous editing that was done by Chris Heller, Rob Ash, myself, and Dave Greco. Also to our bosses who are trying to make sure it's 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 good and it, and it and it tells a good story and it's going to be entertaining for the fans and our associate director to make sure everything's on time and it and it flows together well. It's it's we got nominated, but but everybody gets the nomination with us because it was such a, a huge effort by the fans and us and everybody. It's it, we, we we share this with everyone for sure. Okay. Now, my last question: I asked this of all the editors I interview, and that's uh, what's your favorite guilty pleasure film to watch? Oh, that's a good one. I would have to say I'm a big fan of the Outsiders, the Francis Ford Coppola Outsiders. Okay. What is um, it about it that? Uh... <laughs> I, th I think I'm just I'm a fan of that time period, the you know, sixties, late fifties, sixties, you know, um, and then just like the brotherhood between all the characters, and you know, they're kind of the underdogs. And I, I think I, I can identify with the underdogs pretty well. Okay. Wow. Cool. Well, thank you very much for letting me uh, interview you. And, yeah, absolutely, uh, Gordon. All the best with the Emmys. Good luck with that. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. All right. 
So that was my interview with Dan Dome. As I said before, remember we have the Arrested Development live post talk. We also have coming up a t-shirt contest. So if you are into design, we're going to need your help to design our new shirts because, well, as you've probably noticed with our current shirts, I'm not much of a designer other than text. So we need new shirts before we can get back into uh, our contest on the cutting room. So with that said, I'd like to thank Dan Dome for being an awesome guest. And I'd like to, of course, thank Andre Elijah, who's been helping cut these podcasts. And he's also the guy in charge of our live streams. So he'll be there November 18th. Thanks again, Andre. And of course, thanks to Lauren, my producer. And she will be joining me in the next episode, which will be a mini episode where we just discuss all the new features that AOTG.com has added. And of course, I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.